Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, Mike. Ready to get into it. We got some good stuff to get into today. We got some stuff from Troy Weaver. We've got some NBA's end of season awards coming in. We also have some discussion on the NBA playoffs. So some different topics to talk about. Excited to get, get into each one. Yes. Um, we figured with the playoffs going on and the only draft worthy thing was the coin flip that happened today. We're going to branch out a little bit for this podcast, talk a little bit about the playoffs, talk a little bit about some of the awards like Jeremy Grant finishing second in most improved player voting. Um, and I am excited into it too. Um, I think we kind of all knew that Julius Randle was going to take that one, but just good to have Jeremy Grant up, up at the top. Yeah, no doubt. If I was a betting man, I would have definitely taken Julius Randle. <laughs> and we are off folks. And we are off with our first ad read, uh, and that is Bet Online, of course. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And most importantly, it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty sweet. Again, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% Welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So we'll move on to Troy Weaver first and foremost, get into our Pistons talk early. And we sort of talked a little bit about the last couple of pods about what exactly the offseason would hold for the Pistons and how Troy Weaver would approach it because he can be crafty. Um, and we've sort of also talked about the plan for the Pistons is should they go for some signings that impact winning right now? Should they stick to improving what they currently have with smaller marginal moves? Um, and it seems like we have an answer. Troy Weaver um, said on his offseason plan, I don't anticipate having too many roster spots available. We're happy with the guys we have and would anticipate maybe one or two additions. And the answers for the Pistons are all in-house with internal development. And that appears to be the focus. So, Aaron, any initial thoughts on that statement from Troy Weaver? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of makes sense. I also think it's what a lot of people, at least if you were kind of reading the room, were expecting. I Maybe there were some that said, oh, look at all the moves Troy Weaver made in his first year. He's just going to do that again. Well, you, know, you don't go in every year and just say, well, I want this guy this year. I'm going to go get this guy next year. And I just, it, it can't be a carousel of players circling in and, and then circling out. You're building your team. You're going to get your guys when you can, obviously, but you know, Troy Weaver had a very, very aggressive first year. He was making the free agent signings. He was making the in-season trades. You know, he was doing it all throughout the entire year, finding 
ways to get quote unquote his guys on the roster. And that's how you, you end up with Jeremy Grant and Hamadou Diallo and all the, the draft picks, all those Troy Weaver type guys, those high character, hardworking type players where maybe they don't, when, when they were drafted, maybe they weren't the most talented quote unquote on the draft board. They had all those other factors that Weaver was looking at, but it just couldn't be a repeat of that this year. This is not an unsurprising quote to me whatsoever. He brought in a lot of different players at a lot of different positions. There just isn't going to be all that much money, all that much roster space, all that much minutes to just hand out to players willy nilly. And, you know, I I also think it's an interesting quote because he doesn't necessarily say one or two guys total one or two guys in the draft. Like that's an interesting thing as well, because Detroit has four draft picks to work with one in the first round and three second round picks. So there's four draft picks right there. So if he's talking about just two guys in total, let's just play, uh, play that out. For example, that means he's either trading or bringing in a couple guys on G league or two way deals just from the draft alone. But you also have to anticipate at least one or two signings. And maybe that's more of what this quote was about in terms of free agency or making trades where he's just expecting maybe one or two guys from those two areas to come in from. I think that would make more sense, but it's not at all too shocking to me. I think when you look at the roster, they have developmental guys at every single position. And then they have some steady heads at positions like the four and five and guys like Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. So they have development pieces. They have, you know, mainstay roster guys already. There just isn't all too much to, to work with in terms of roster space. Right. And, you know, I, I know I've mentioned this before with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the constant carousel of players that they have. You know, there is there is some there is merit to holding on to your cards and not trying to constantly rotate players in and out. There is continuity that factors. There is chemistry that factors. And the NBA is a lot about rhythm and getting a feel and to completely every off season because things aren't working or, or didn't pan out to completely revamp the roster, especially a roster as young as this, that showed a lot of promise. It's, it's just not good for player development. I mean, I have talked about the, the lack of continuity in Cleveland and related it back to Colin Sexton having multiple coaches in his three years in the league and the detriment that that has. The Pistons don't have any real reason to go out and make a huge splash unless you really think, and you get Kate Cunningham, you really think that you're one piece away from a Charlotte Hornets type jump. You know, before Gordon Hayward got hurt, they were a top four seed in the Eastern Conference um, with a very impactful rookie in LaMelo Ball. Unless you think that you're that sort of player away and you have a real shot to get him, and, and that's the goal is to be a top four seed immediately and really flip the script on this rebuild, then, then there's no need to make giant moves, make big moves. It's making moves along the margin, filling gaps and, and whatnot, after the draft and seeing what players are available. I mean, this free agency class we talked about last week, it doesn't look like it's going to be a huge cavalcade of, of, of free agency signings that alter the league. It's going to be smaller moves across the league, maybe some sign and trades like we mentioned with John Collins, for example. So I don't have any problem with Troy Weaver setting 
the stage for potentially a quiet offseason of on the fringe type of moves. And at the end of the day, and it's not very sexy to have a quiet offseason, right? But you still have a, a top three pick probably coming, and you still have three pretty darn good rookies who played well last year, maybe a little bit less so with Killian Hayes, but you have three quality rookies that all look the part, plus Jeremy Grant coming in second and most improved player voting. There's just no need to rock the boat in my mind. So I, I, I like this setting the ground rules for this off season. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, you look at Detroit's roster and guys that are going to be free agents are Dennis Smith, Jr. Wayne Ellington, Hamadou Diallo, who will be restricted. And then uh, they have, they have to fit and figure out a way to get Saban Lee and Frank Jackson on NBA, you know, full-time contracts and onto the, you know, their main roster for next year. So, those are two guys that you would imagine are both going to be on this roster next year, especially Saban Lee for sure. You would imagine Frank Jackson after the season he had is on that main roster as well. So there's two roster spots that you're, you know, let's say they slide in for Wayne Ellington and Dennis Smith Jr. Those are your two occupied roster spots. They've already talked about wanting to go out and re-sign Hamadou Diallo. So then, yeah, you can waive some guys. Corey Joseph, you'll be able to waive for, I believe, around $2 million dollars. You can waive uh, Jaleel Okafor. You can waive Davidas Arvidas. Those are two guys, you know, they're not making a ton of money. Okafor guaranteed just a little over two mil and Davidas Arvidas guaranteed over just one and a half mil, but they may even want to keep around a guy like Servitas. You know, I'm not opposed to that as well. There's also someone like Rodney Magruder who they could waive, but he's due a little over 5 million. So, you know, how that works, I'm not totally sure. The Pistons are already paying dead money to Blake Griffin next year and Dwayne Dedman for the next four years. So they already do have some dead money that they're paying out. Um, so there just isn't going to be a ton of roster space. And, you know, there's no reason to, to continue to wave all these different players and give yourself a ton of dead cap space uh, that you can't use and, and, and things of that nature. And you know, I, I don't see a problem with just using the draft to fill out this roster. Maybe you grab one or two veterans in free agency, but, you know, use your first round pick, use one of your second round picks to get guys that you know can be on your roster and then maybe trade a second round pick and use the other second round pick for a two-way player or, or something of that nature. Um, but this roster is essentially filled out and the Pistons shouldn't be doing anything you know, unnecessary to, to make roster space when it just isn't, isn't needed for, for this team and, and what they already have. Yeah, I think you put it pretty succinctly. Um, do you? This is unpopular because I think he has fans within the within Pistons Twitter. Dennis Smith Jr. I'm had not really kept up with his statistics much after the acquisition. He has really no place on this roster, does he? Unfortunately, no. You know, he got hurt and he missed the rest of the season, he had a couple good games, but you know, he did not last too long before getting hurt. And, and he's had a, a, a slew of injuries in his young career. And then like we just talked about, there just isn't a lot of roster room and you already have Killian Hayes and you already have Saban Lee who are two point guards. I would imagine both those guys are, are, are your, your point guard rotation for next year. Obviously Killian Hayes is the starting point guard. And I think Saban Lee earns that, that right to, compete for that backup point guard position after the season he had. And, you know, 
I just don't think there is room for Dennis Smith Jr. at this point, unless there's a trade that shakes up the team and there's a couple extra spots, maybe. But right now, it just it just isn't going to happen with where the Pistons are at, the draft picks they have, and, and, and things of that nature. You know, comparatively, and I don't know how much this is inflated by a couple of good games, because I know we had a couple of good games. He shot 34% on three, which is nearly his career high. He shot 46% on two-pointers, which is his second best of his career. And he shot, well, his effective field goal is 48.4%, which is also second highest of his career. So I I get it. Um, you need another shooter, and he's just kind of, uh, you know, he's very inconsistent. I mean, he's always been a pretty poor shooter, um, but he is – he is a restrictive free agent at I think 17 mils is what it says here on cleaning the glass. So I think that the draft may dictate as well, how the backups, how the backup rotation looks, because we've always said that the two guard seems to be the most glaring hole and Diallo sort of filled that a little bit, but he's also not a shooter either. Um, He's more of the athletic type, get downhill sort of player. So, um, I probably agree with you about Dennis Smith. I just, I just wanted to see what what your thoughts were on on him because I think that was a another move very similar to Christian Wood, in guy who just didn't really pan out anywhere, couldn't stick. You know, you throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And um, I agree, he probably doesn't have any role on this roster, unfortunately. I'm I'm just going through the salary sheet here on cleaning the glass. Um, I couldn't find Corey Joseph's guaranteed rate but i think it is somewhere around two mil so that'll probably be easy to uh easy to move and wayne ellington as well so they're they're just gonna have i mean there's just so little wiggle room on this roster without making you know huge sweeping changes to core pieces or guys that you are hoping are core pieces like seku duboya yeah and and, and the thing is i don't mind dennis smith jr i think some team should take him. And and if Detroit for some reason has an open roster spot and needs to use it on a point guard, do I hate the idea of bringing him back? No, I just, I just, I just don't think it's that option's really going to be there for them. Right. Yeah. Looking at some other guys that they're paying still Zaire Smith, Dwayne Dedman. Yeah. Well, um, I personally uh, admire Troy Weaver for, basically telling all of us uh, Pistons writers that we could rest a little bit easier this off season. So <laughs> that means I, sh- I, I should expect some massive trade because not to, not to um, poo poo entirely on boring off season, but players are available suddenly quickly. You know, it's a constantly moving, a moving league. It's a very fluid league. And, and I would still not be surprised if there are big trades that, you know, swing things and the Pistons sneak in as a third team and scoop up a player or things like that. But um, I, I do like the setting of uh, the expectations for everybody in that this is the core. You just saw them play fairly well. I mean, all things considered, I, I don't think we could have expected anything better other than maybe Killian Hayes being healthy. And, uh, you know, we're going to go into next off season with ideally a top or next season rather with ideally a top three pick and some heightened expectations. Yeah, no, I, it's 
I'm I'm absolutely fine with with Weaver saying that it takes a little bit of you know pr- relief and, and not having to worry about having to be up on midnight with three or four people ready to hop on the computer and run Twitter and churn out articles of all the moves. Been there, done that. I'm I'm in for a nice quiet Detroit Pistons free agency and things. And then a raucous summer league. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh man, summer league. Gosh. So excited for that. Getting closer. It feels like science. Every day it gets closer, Mike. I have a little calendar. Calendar. I mark it every day. One day closer to Summer League. One day closer to Summer League. It should be the draft. What is wrong with you? It really should be the lottery. What is wrong with you? We're like less than a month away from the lottery right now, but instead you are hyped for Summer League to watch Tyler Cook go up against uh, Marquise Golden. Oh, my gosh. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I like not having to worry about having a potentially hectic offseason. And speaking of not wanting to worry, uh, you never want to worry about any devices that you're using for personal grooming, especially ones that you use below the belt. And support for the Palace of Pistons podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped has just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with code POP at manscaped.com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped so thank you manscaped for being a sponsor on the palace of pistons podcast absolutely shout out manscaped yes absolutely so let's go into our second topic which covered a little bit last week but jeremy grant has officially and this was a little late edition jeremy grant places second in most improved player voting julius randall of course uh, wins that award for his spectacular season leading the New York Knicks to the playoffs and not just the playoffs, the four seed in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I think we're on the same page here, but do you think that the voters got it right by picking Julius Randle over Jeremy Grant? They did. They did. And, and Randle had a phenomenal season with the Knicks an all-star leading his team to the playoffs, getting home court advantage for his team in the playoffs. Now, did he have a rocky first game in the playoffs? Absolutely. But that doesn't take away bad. the fact that he had a phenomenal for year with the Knicks. And, and, and mind you, this was coming off of a year in New York where he had gained a lot of, you know, people that were disengaged with him, did not like the way he performed, thought he was doing way too much with the basketball and they were very down on him after his his season last year. And this year, he was just absolutely phenomenal. And I think winning is something that not it doesn't mean a ton in this award because it's not it's not about winning in this award. MVP is certainly where I think winning has a little bit more stature to it. If you're the most valuable player, you obviously provide value to your team, and value is winning ball games. Uh, so that's where winning really means a lot. But in this case. I think it gives him a little bit of a boost here. I mean, leading his team out of the bottom of the East to the playoffs, just a great year for him. And that's nothing against Jeremy Grant, 22 and a half points per game, nearly five rebounds, three assists, played 34 minutes a game. 
shot 35% from the three-point line. He had a very good year in Detroit, but what hurt him was his team did not win nearly as much. And he also ended up sitting out a lot of games towards the end of the season with an injury. And then he was getting rested because the Pistons were tanking. So that just didn't help him in that. But, you know, Randall just, he had a better season. And that's, again, nothing against Jeremy Grant. A great year for him. Uh, a very exciting development for the Detroit Pistons with him becoming a guy capable of being a part of their team moving forward, a part of their core, a part of their building block team. He had a great year, but Julius Randle absolutely deserved this award for, for a great season that he had with the Knicks. He averaged, this is Julius Randle, 24 points, 10 boards, six assists. He was top 20 in the league in all three of those categories while playing an NBA high 37.6 minutes per game. And when you're looking at most improved, I mean, Julius Randle shot 41% on threes. He shot 29% on threes last year. You ever think when, when Julius Randle got drafted out of Kentucky? The answer is no. Yeah, exactly. You never thought he was going to be a three-point shooter, let alone a 41% three-point shooter. I'm, I mean, I'm, It's not on small volume. He, 37 minutes per game. Yeah. And, and this isn't a Knicks team that's loaded. Like he is by far and away the best player. And and outside of him, there's a couple guys that I would say are are you know really good NBA players. Like I think RJ Barrett, Derrick Rose, guy like Reggie Bullock. Like they're all good NBA players. But you look at the rest of that roster; those are journeyman players. I mean, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Alfred Payton. I mean, there are a lot. Their roster is made up of so many journeymen that. They've just come together. Obviously, you bring in a guy like Julius Randle. You, you draft someone like Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett over the past couple of seasons, and, and you bring all together those journeymen, and all of a sudden, that's a pretty dang good team. And oh, yeah, I, I think if you look at that roster on paper, you probably think, "Wow, this is the weakest team in the playoffs." But they don't play that way, and that's just—it's it, very impressive what Randle has done to lead that group. That. You look at all these other teams, and it's multiple all stars, and it's guys that are, you know, they've they're six men of the year, and this and that, all these different accolades, former all stars. Like, that's not the New York Knicks by any stretch of the imagination, and I think that just goes a little bit more into just how much of a factor Julius Randle has played this year, reviving the Garden. It's it's really funny. The Knicks won in the exact way that they desperately tried to not win, and it was totally on accident. You know, they tried to get. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They tried to get LeBron James. They tried to get every big name, all-star, superstar to join the roster and just team up and make a super team. Well, as it turns out, they did it the way that they didn't intend to. They drafted really well with Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett being pretty good. And then they got a nice player on a good deal in Julius Randle. And, you know, it just kind of glued itself together. They surrounded him with good vets like Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson. And it just kind of just kind of worked on basically on accident. So it's very funny to me that they went from we're going to draft Zion Williamson with the first pick and then we're going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to join and we'll have a super team. And none of those things happened, but they still they still built correctly through the draft and with quality free agent signings and acquisitions. And now look at them. They're, they're the four seed. So 24 points, 10 boards, six assists for Julius Randle. That. He is one of, let's see, five players to do that ever. And that's Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Russell Westbrook, and Nikola Jokic, who did it this year. Wow. That's absurd company. That is absurd company. 
That's incredible. And then it's just it's it's crazy how his career has developed. Obviously, he gets hurt. I believe it was the first game, or maybe it was the first week. I'm pretty sure it was the first game. He gets hurt in the first game of his career, misses his rookie season, comes back. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he's just made such progression year in and year out. And it, it, it's a guy that it's easy to root for someone like him because of how he has just marginally gotten better and better each year. And then this year was the explosion for him. I think it helps. He's in a big market reviving a franchise that has just been so, so dreadful since the, the, the last playoff run with Carmelo Anthony and, you know, just to, to see them back. I mean, that's, that's a franchise that just draws in so many fans and for him to bring them back to life. I think that adds a little bit more to his phenomenal and historic season. Yeah, it most definitely factors. And he is 26 years old. So for all of the people saying that Sekou Dumboya is terrible, Killian Hayes is obviously terrible. No, it takes young guys, especially when they come out of the draft super young, it takes some players time to develop. And it takes the right situations. And it takes the right chemistry and camaraderie. And, you know, maybe Tom Thibodeau also played a factor. That, I mean, all, all those things ultimately factor in a player's development, and it's just ridiculous to think that they're finished products at the age of 22 or finished products at the age of 19, for crying out loud. So this this is a good exercise in patience. I think he, he got in, into the right situation and has obviously made the most of it. No doubt about it. Great season for Julius Randle. Yep, great season. Honestly, for all of them. Michael Porter Jr. came in third, and he certainly had to carry quite a bit more of the load. Um, as well, but definitely congratulations to Julius Randle and congratulations to Jeremy Grant. Nothing to sneeze at the season that he put together uh, either. So let's go ahead and move on to our third sort of open discussion topic. The NBA playoffs have started. I think it's been a pretty good start, pretty exciting start. Uh, we got three games on uh, tonight. Uh, Aaron, anything jumped out at you so far in the early going of the playoffs? I really enjoyed them. I, I think we've had some some great games. Obviously, the the first one, Milwaukee and Miami going to overtime. Jimmy Butler forcing overtime uh, with his game tying shot. The Bucks going on to win. I I just there there have been a lot of great games so far. And obviously, Milwaukee went out and absolutely obliterated Miami in game two. But Suns Lakers game one was phenomenal. That's been my favorite game of the postseason so far 76ers wizards their game one great obviously the knicks and hawks were phenomenal atlanta winning that one by just a bucket the grizzlies beating the jazz by three obviously utah without donovan mitchell in game one there's that controversy around that but the the eight seed taking down the one seed in that game and it's been a great playoff so far i love the playoffs i'm sure every NBA fan loves the playoffs, but we've had some great games and that Suns Lakers game was just incredibly fun. And and to see that the Suns have a legitimate shot at taking down the reigning NBA champions is just incredible. It's it's spectacular for a round one matchup. You have Chris Paul go down with his shoulder neck injury. Think he might be out, not just for the game, but for some time he ends up returning. Devin Booker has a phenomenal game. Deandre Ayton, Goes off for 21 and 16. That was just a really, really fun game for for the Suns. And it showed that the Lakers are not just going to walk their way 
into the finals this year. So this should be a great playoffs. The first few opening days of it certainly uh, proved that point. At the time of this recording, uh, the Nets currently lead Boston 38-24 in the first quarter of game two. The Nets won game one. Uh, let me just let you know what Joe Harris is doing, if you don't know. Joe Harris has 16 points on 6 of 7 shooting, and he's 4 for 4 from deep. So somebody, anybody guard Joe Harris. Um, he's That's crazy. He's got 16 of their 38 points. If, if somebody is going to get 16. Someone guard Joe Harris when the other true. four players on the court are Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin. It's a lot easier to say, oh, yeah, someone's got to guard Joe Harris. It's an excellent point. Harden hasn't even taken a shot yet. Oh, my gosh. Well, I know what I'll be doing when we get off this recording. Yeah. Yeah. Um, poor Boston. There, there's a lot of uh, – that. that is like a whole podcast in what the Celtics can do. We, we almost got into it in, the, in, our, in our group chat with what the Celtics need to do. And uh, – they they have they have some salary issues that are going to make it very difficult for them to maneuver. So best game so far, um, I think it's Heat Bucks game one, the Chris Middleton game winner. You know, ultimately, I think that would have been the you know a lot bigger had Trey Young not also hit a game winner and the Lakers also not lost, basically by DeAndre Ayton sunning uh, Anthony Davis. And that's a very interesting series because if Anthony Davis comes out here in game two tonight and is as just not tough as he was in game one, just not as aggressive as he needs to be. And the Lakers are going back to LA down 2-0. That is problematic. Um, LeBron James does not have the normal burst that he normally does. And if Anthony Davis continues to play soft, then that's a team that does not have the, the necessary pieces to make up any of that. No team really has the personnel to make up, you know, having bad LeBron James and Anthony Davis games. It certainly is Andre Drummond who I feel bad for the guy at this point. He just has become a punching bag everywhere he goes. And now he's a punching bag on the most popular team in the entire league. Yeah, you know, it, it's partially his fault because of the plays and the decisions that he makes. But my goodness, after all the years of, of talking about Andre Drummond, defending him at times, you know, criticizing him at other times, it would just be nice for him to go out in front of in national spotlight and just dominate. And it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, didn't have a great game. In game one, definitely some moments you would like to forget from him. Um, but, man, just just really tough. And, yeah, the Lakers are in a spot. The Lakers are in a tough spot. Devin Booker is a star. He is a bucket getter. He is capable of leading the Suns to defeat the Lakers in this series. Obviously, he has some very good teammates and Chris Paul, Aiton, Michael Bridges. But don't get it twisted. Devin Booker is absolutely legitimate. And he is just going to be a problem all series long because it doesn't look like the Lakers have one guard, one wing that can even minutely get in the way of Devin Booker. No, he is just a bucket. And the Lakers are just going to have to accept that he's going to get his dues and he's going to score. 
and it's everybody else. It's, uh, you know, I don't know why they didn't force Chris Paul right. That was the most bizarre injury I've seen. He basically was unable to dribble with one hand. He was unable to dribble with one hand. And somehow the Lakers did not pick up on this, did not force him right, did not do the things that you, you know, ideally should do when there's obviously a hurt player playing and that's exposed, you know, those weaknesses. But that is a very interesting team. Um, quickly before we wrap up here, you know, there's a couple of maybe surprising starts. I think obviously the Grizzlies leading 1-0 is surprising, even though Donovan Mitchell did not play in game one. You are MVP Donovan Mitchell, right? And the Mavericks leading the Clippers 1-0. What team, not just of those, what team has the, you know, is in the is in the tightest uh-oh scenario? Like who has the most on the line right now? Is it is it the Clippers? Is it the Lakers? I think, it's, I, I think you expect the Lakers to, to find themselves in this series. The Clippers, on the other hand, this is major uh-oh territory for them. This Mavericks team now, second year in a row, come out topping the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like this team was supposed to do it last year. They obviously did not. And then they go out and they lose to Dallas in game one against a team that is did not have a great regular season, really has not had a ton of success outside of Luka Doncic. They've had some injuries. Kristaps Porzingis has not had the season that they were hoping he would have, and they take it to the Clippers in game one. I'd say there's a lot of pressure on both the Los Angeles teams. There's They're not blowing up the Lakers if Anthony Davis and LeBron James don't win this year, but the Clippers go down in round one. I think you really have to look at, can we really win with Paul George? Do we have to go get someone better to team up with Kawhi? Or what do we have to do to be able to beat these Mavericks and to be a legitimate contender in the West? I think there's a legitimate worry there. And obviously, you know, the game two and the rest of that series is going to have to play out. But that 0-1 start for the Clippers looks really, really bad. Maybe getting a point card. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe getting a point card. Maybe getting a point card and not assuming that Rajon Rondo turns into playoff Rondo and plays well. Maybe getting a point guard would help. Just yeah, they need a something bit. more than and Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Reggie Jackson. Like, there's just not enough there. They, the they just do. They just do. I mean, God, Terrence Mann. I mean, anything, something. Also, Luke Kennard, a CDNP. Uh, that doesn't sit well with me. I mean, he, there's no reason he shouldn't be getting uh, at least coming off your bench. I mean, there's just no reason you scored 103 points. Like you're telling me you can't use that shooting. I don't understand. And I'm not Ty Lue and you know, he's a championship head coach, but I guess I just don't get why he isn't able to play. I don't, I, I don't, that's a lot of money sitting on the bench. Yeah. No, I, that does, that makes no sense to me. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And also, last bit on the Clippers, who now have the idea to put Kawhi Leonard on Luka Doncic. Uh, yeah, it probably should have happened when Luka was cooking them the entire game. But again, I don't know. Luka ended up with a triple-double, 31, 10, and 11. 
Yeah, there was that same same stuff last year with Kawhi not guarding Luka. And then, you know, eventually he would down the stretch of games. But you're not – Too little too late at that Yeah, point. like get out there and do it. Like you can't wait until the last couple minutes when you're trailing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So anything else on the playoffs before we wrap up this podcast? No, I mean, off to a great start. I'm ready to go watch some more of them tonight. Yes, off to a great start. The Nets are now 43 to 26. Uh, well, maybe not watch yes. that scene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice night of basketball. But the Lakers and Suns and can't wait for that. Mavericks and Clippers. Yeah, they are for some reason on at the same time. I don't understand the NBA's thinking with that. But um, yes, let's go and uh, get out of here and watch some playoff basketball. Sound good? Hey, sounds good to me, Mike. We'll we'll sounds reconvene great. here next week. Yes, yes, we'll have our uh, we'll have our weekly meeting, and we hope that you will all join us uh, for the next edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. For Aaron Johnson, I'm your host, Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube